Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. You are listening to Inside F1 with Joe Sayward on Missed Apex Podcast. We live at one. Welcome to Inside F1 with Joe Sayward on Missed Apex Podcast. Coming up this week, we have an audio tech show on Tuesday with Matt Trumpets and Summers F1. Then our Russian Grand Prix race review is at 8pm on Sunday night. Tonight, though, I'm joined by Paddock Wizard Joe Nunshell Pass Sayward. How's it going, Joe? What was that? Was that like... Uh... Domble thingy bob job yeah, from Harry like Potter. Gandalf. None shall pass. That's how I imagine no, you're like with Gandalf, with... the other one, Domble, Professor, Doctor, whatever, you know. It's just you're a bit like that with Ted Kravitz, aren't you? When he's coming up trying to find out what you were talking about, you're like, No, Ted, you shall not pass. <laughs> really? Okay, whatever. Yeah. Keep seeing you on on telly on Sky. You keep popping I can't up. help being on telly all the time. It's not my fault. They keep following me around. What do you do? Well, you and me chat and hang out quite a bit on Skype, and since you chat and hang out with Ted, it makes me feel like maybe me and Ted could be best friends. That's really sad. Ted Kravitz and Steve Jones might are top on my list of media people to befriend when I become an international icon. Okay, well, make the most of Steve, because he's only a sort of part-timer in Formula One. I don't think he's there for a long time. Uh, interesting, though, that TV deal, isn't it? Because I've heard that Mark Webber is moving over to the Sky team to do live races. Uh, I don't know. I haven't heard anything. I don't, I don't keep my ear that close to the uh, to the microphone in Sky, so who's doing what? Uh, as far as I understand it, um, I have heard rumours that they're not particularly bothered with Crofty anymore in the future. Oh. And... Um, um, and he may not be there, but I don't know. You know, that's oh, well, what I've heard. So, in that case, I think I'm on a bound to suggest Jake Sanson as a replacement, who is uh, our resident commentator here at Mist Apex. Oh, he's brilliant! I'll send you some clips. He does the shouty thing and everything. You know how there's two commentators, isn't there? There's the color one that's like shouting and screaming, and then there's the sort of Martin Brundle kind of interjecting. 
Or something like that. Yes, I think I know what you're saying. Yes, you have the screamer and you have the um, the sane person in the same booth. Yes, I get that. So which are you? Are you the screamer or the sane person? I'm the sane oh, person, obviously. No, I'm more of a pithy comment and let the colour commentator do the hard work kind of guy. Very good. Okay, right. Let's talk a little bit about your green notebook, Joe, because your green notebook, it is yes. such a yarn. You sit there and you click on it and you think... Oh, I'm just gonna, you know, sit and catch up with Joe's opinions. But it's not. It was a, like a travelogue. It was fully a travelogue, and I felt the pain of that two-day journey from Singapore back to France. Yeah, it was painful. It was okay. I mean, it was, I've had worse. I have had worse than that. Um, but it wasn't. It wasn't perfect. And it was, you know, we did literally leave the press room at six o'clock in the morning and go to the airport. You know, as you do. Um, and people think. I always make the point, people think we lead these glamorous lives, but it's actually quite hard work sometimes. Wandering around Singapore at six o'clock in the morning looking for a taxi. You know, it, it's it's not quite, um, you know, a limousine pulls up outside and takes you off to the nearest party. I was going to say, is it not the GP Plus magazine car just pulls up and like... Oh, in- yeah, right. The, the GP Plus magazine car would be... What are the three-wheeler things in uh, um, on the TV show? Reliant What's that one called? Robin Reliant. Only fools and horses. Yeah, we're the fools, I suppose. Uh, excellent. So I can't hear you. You've gone. Maybe it's oh. just, hang on a minute. Let me just fiddle. Oh, uh, yeah, I can hear you again now. Oh, yeah. good. There we go. I'm going to stop fiddling with this thing. Hang on a minute. I'll stick it somewhere it can't be fiddled with. Not quite ready for live TV yet, are we kids? Okay, look, let's, let's crack on because, yes, Singapore was um, certainly listening to all the media and the journalists such as yourself. It feels like this is kind of like Monaco where you guys – have a little bit of an affinity for the event itself and you're caught up in the glamour of it. But us watching it on TV, we kind of go, ooh, not not so sure about this as a spectacle. Um, Singapore is a uh, – uh, it's an event. I mean, it is extraordinary. That it's daft in many respects, but it is – it's very – it's great when you go there and you look at it and you see it on TV. You look at those pictures on TV, the helicopter shots of Singapore at night. You can't fail to get excited by it. Uh, even if you know there won't be any overtaking, I mean it's 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 absolute madness what they do. They race around in the dark, you know. And we should do more of it. You know, it's great. It's uh, I I think it's terrific. Um, it, it it's um it's a really strange lifestyle though, because you know you you get up at um well actually I don't like get up at normal hours, but you're supposed to get up at midday and walk into the paddock at three in the afternoon and go good morning and have egg and bacon, you know this sort of thing. You don't and do that people, though. Well, I walk in there and people say, good morning. I go, no, it's not. It's the afternoon. And they get confused at that point. So, um, but you just don't ever sleep. That's the truth of it. So um, by the time the session started, though, you must have been exhausted. No, not really. Because I'm not, I, I, it's quite hard to exhaust me, you know. I've, I've, um, I get, I, I had been tired in the last few weeks because I've been moving house. And incidentally, that is a horror. If you don't move house very often in your life, try to avoid it because I moved house twice in two days, and it was—it's it, really a horror because you just can't find anything. I'm surrounded by boxes and bins and rubbish. That's why there's no picture on the wall behind me because I haven't had time to put one up, and I can't find it actually. I don't know where the pictures are. So you kind of showed me with your webcam around your office at the moment, and all the various books and paper and stuff. And as a kind of quasi-millennial, I just think, why don't you just have all of that on a computer? Well, if you could scan. 300 books every page on a computer would be terrific, yeah. But, you know, the other thing is what happens when your computer crashes and it all disappears forever? 
oh, we're going to have to have a long conversation about the cloud, aren't we, Joe? But instead of that, <laughs> let's have a conversation. Yeah, but what happens if the cloud fails? That's what I want to know. It's all very well saying, yes, it's all there on the cloud, but is it? Yes, it is. Okay, uh, let's, let's talk about the dirty air, though, because in Singapore, dirty air, okay. they, they had a, a huge problem where they were talking about dirty air, which we know to be a problem in general, up to about two or three seconds, but talking about it being a problem for eight seconds. Can we really continue to have this kind of situation where eight seconds behind a car is losing downforce from the car in front. It's, it's madness, isn't it? Are you talking about Singapore or yeah. Monza? No, yeah. Sing- Singapore. Yeah. Well, Monza, more, it doesn't matter because more, you don't need downforce. Well, no, it's more, it's more of a problem in, in Monza, actually, because you have the much more um, effect, aerodynamic effect in Monza than in Singapore. It is what it is. You know, it, it's the way of racing in the modern era. They're trying to fix it. And there's not much we can do at all. They have fixed it. So, you know, it's all very well sort of saying we've got to do something about it. That's what they're doing. I mean, the cars are not um, – it's true in every kind of racing. You know, they let the genie out of the bottle when they discovered ground effect aerodynamics. And ever since then, it's just been a disaster. And And having said that, you know, we're now talking about – that's 1979. So we're talking 30 years that they've had it. So we somehow survived. You know, we're still in business. But it has sort of come to a critical point in that, you know, Ross Braun is himself acknowledging this is a problem and it's something that they said they're going to address with but simpler... It's been, a fun- problem. it's been a problem for 15, 20 years. It was a problem in, in the ground effect era when you had, you had the skirts, they had different problems. But, you know, aerodynamics is a problem. And it's it's where progress goes mad. I mean, I think DRS is genius because it it it, it solves some of the problems that the aerodynamics were have created. And, and and actually, there's a lovely story there because Peter Wright, the man who invented DRS, was the man who invented ground effect, and he invented DRS because he wanted to try and fix the problems he created with aerodynamics. Socialist in the oh, Skyoist, sorry, in the chat room says toe don't helps. Any, no, don't 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 any socialists on this show, for goodness sake. You're listening to Missed Apex podcast, not anything political. Um, <laughs> Skyoist says toe helps. Dirty air inhibits F1 aero is bonkers because in Monza, of course, less of a problem because you only have to turn three times. I'll take your word for it, but if you only turn three times, you crash at the Lesmos. So you don't? Are you not optimistic that these 2020 regs with the simpler aero are going to make a difference? Oh, I'm sure they'll make a difference. There are very clever people working on them, but the question is how much of a difference? We don't know until we see it. You know, clever. There's clever people doing lots of things in Formula One. It doesn't mean they can solve every problem. So we'll see. I mean, you'd want to hope so, yeah. Well, speaking of clever people solving problems, what is the feeling you've got in the battle between the top two teams? Have Mercedes suddenly just developed something out of nowhere? It's an argument we keep having here on this Apex podcast about which car we think is better. Obviously, we went into the weekend. There's, there's no question as to which car is better. There's no question. It's Ferrari. So how come Mercedes they, just told just them? Screw, they're just screwing it up every time. Lewis, Lewis Hamilton is driving out of his skin. He's he's phenomenal at the moment. We we were having a discussion the other day about whether Lewis was actually in the league of Senna. And the answer was, actually, he's probably better than Senna because he's less emotional than Senna was. And and he's just delivering. It's, it's phenomenal what he's doing. He has, you, you just look at Sebastian Vettel, you think, you poor fella. 
you're getting beaten by this guy on the top form and you're never going to touch him because psychologically you're dead meat already. And you, you, you look at pictures of him. There's a picture in Grand Prix Plus in the last edition of Vettel congratulating Hamilton. It's got defeat written all over his forehead. Well, I won't cry too many tears for him. He did have those four magnificent no, years at Red Bull. You, you, I wouldn't cry any tears for him either. But the fact is that he is up against a, a real bona fide uh, once a generation genius. Uh, who is beating him with a card that he shouldn't be beating him in. And, and and Vettel's making mistakes. I mean, Monza was a disaster for Ferrari. A disaster. Singapore, they're supposed to win in Singapore. Completely and utterly hammered. I mean, you know, everything, everywhere they're supposed to do well, apart from they managed to succeed at Spa. But apart from that, Lewis has been um, whipping them. So what do you think the failing was in Singapore for Vettel and Ferrari? Well... Lewis did an absolutely astonishing qualifying lap. And once he was in the lead, there was not much they could do about it. That's Singapore for you. And, you know, they tried to they tried to find a way of undercutting and, and they couldn't undercut him. And bingo, bango, it was a done deal. Now, can he do it again in Russia? We'll see. Russia's not, not much overtaking going on there either at the moment. Um, but we'll see. You know, the fact is that Lewis has now got such a, a commanding lead in the championship. He needs one more win and he can finish second all the way to the flag now. And we've seen how that works out in tw- in 2016. You can just we sit have. there. <clears throat> no, you can do it if you want it that way. Lewis won't want to do it that way, but you can do it if that's what you have to do. The fact is that they he's just sort of removed Ferrari's trousers and they're sort of tripping over. They're around the ankles trying to work out what the hell's going on. They're on the run. And, and you know, Lewis, that's down to Mercedes doing a decent job, but it's not, the car's not better than Ferrari. The Ferrari should be winning the championship. Okay. And that's why Charles Leclerc is there. We'll get on to that. But New European says, fact, Ferrari would win the 2018 World Driver Championship with Alonso. He hates to say it, but he thinks it's a fact. Do you agree, Joe? No. Because you don't rate Alonso or because... No, I do rate Alonso, but I think that would be, you know, that would be... Uh, Alonso is, is is not the second messiah. You know, remember Alonso in 20, 2007, a long time ago now, but um, Lewis took him to the cleaners and he freaked out, went bananas, went bonkers, all the rest of it, you know, did all the stuff he did. And, and he's never been, ever since then, he's never been the same driver he was because he got he got a horse whipped. By half a point. Doesn't No, it, it's not about the pointage. It's about the fact that psychologically he got he got taken apart by Lewis, and that's what's happening now with Sebastian. I, I just had, you can see you can see it. He just he looks like a guy who's on the run. I had to say that I just saved myself fifteen YouTube comments, and after the last show where you generated fifty angry YouTube comments, Joe, I'm just going to try and keep it down a little bit this week. <laughs> well, what can I possibly say to get fifty more rude comments for you? Well, I tell you what, we might get comments about is I've never heard you this animated in praising Lewis Hamilton like he's really had an an effect and an impression on you this week not really he's been like this he's been building up for for about a year now but he is now at a level which is which is you, you can't even begin to deny it he is just floating on air and even when things go wrong he takes the hit and then that's that is terrific before he was very emotional when things went wrong uh, he's not anymore you know he he just hunkers down he says positive things he gets on with it and does it and that is the sign of a completely rounded racing driver he deserves to win the world championship for that alone because he's 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 just astonishing 
It's interesting because people give him this grief for being emotional. They say things like he wears his heart on his tongue. But actually, if you listen to his radio messages compared to Max and, and Sebastian Vettel, actually, they're very calm. They might be a bit naggy and a bit questioning, but they are generally very level-headed. Well, he's a very calm individual. And he, he only gets upset if he doesn't really understand what's going on. You'll hear him say, oh, why are you doing this? And things like that. <clears throat> because he, he understands racing very well. He, he doesn't, you know, he, he knows why things are happening. And he, if he sees something, I don't understand this, he'll go, I don't understand this, what's happening? But he does trust James Fowles, the, the strategist. If James says to him, don't worry, um, or Pete Bonington, whatever, you know, he trusts his guys implicitly. And, and you know, that's a sign of a great team. And what Lewis does very, very well. I mean, people say it's formulaic and bloody blah, but he always, always, always talks about the team. And he, it's not, it's not, it's not just sort of making it up and just saying it for the sake of it. He actually means it because they are a team. They are winning as a team. Do, do you and, have, you know, the, the car's not as good as the Ferrari, maybe, but, you know, they're still beating him. And he said at the end of the last race, I can't remember the exact words, but it was, it's like we've got him. We've got them. And that's exactly what they've done. You know, Ferrari are on the run. Do you have any insight into that relationship between Lewis and Pete, between the, the guys on the radio? Because from the outside, it can seem a little bit like there's a tension there. Well, there's a little bit of tension in relation. I mean, <laughs> if you listen to some of these engineers talking to the drivers, hello, stupid person, turn left at the first corner. You know, and it yeah. sounds so ridiculous. Um, and a lot of you just think, why are they sounding like this? But what they're, they're just trying to cover everything. And some of the drivers are not as clever as Lewis, you know, let's be fair. Um, so turning left at the first corner might be a good idea uh, in some of the cases. So we're giving Lewis a lot of praise here. But what would Ferrari have to do? We, we've established that you're saying they have the better car. So what would they have to do? Who would they have to put into that car to beat Lewis Hamilton this season? Well, if you can't beat Lewis Hamilton with Sebastian Vettel, then you have a problem, don't you? I just think Lewis has reached a level at which it's really hard to beat him. Now, if you have a better car that is being used successfully, well, then you can beat him. But right now, because they've had a run of disasters, um, I think that will impact on them in the races ahead. Now, we'll see if they get one together and, you know, if they come out and win hands down in uh, in Russia, maybe they'll gain a bit of confidence. But it's all about the, the ebb and flow of confidence. But Lewis is flying at the moment. We'll see what happens. I don't know. But in on paper, the Ferrari should win. Now, I'm not saying the Mercedes aren't making progress because they are. And sometimes you think, well, who is who is better, who is not better? But, you know, when you have a lap like Lewis's pole lap in Singapore, just forget it. You're not going to play that game at all. It's also about making the tyres work with the chassis. So the car may be better, but they just couldn't make the tyres switch on. So Darren Johnson in our live chat room, who you can join by going to YouTube and searching for Missed Apex Podcast, uh, says, are Ferrari in a little bit of a tailspin? Obviously, they, they lost their team boss tragically earlier in the year. Have they recovered from that? Is it is it fair to say that that's caused a little bit of a disturbance? There's different philosophies at the top of Ferrari now. I would say it's actually eased problems, to be honest, um, because Marchione was, was – um, he was a boss, but he wasn't really the boss. You know, he wasn't there. 
So, but the, but but um, Arriva Bene was there, but didn't have any power. So now Arriva Bene's got a little bit more power. He can do what he wants to do, and and he can be a little bit more relaxed. I mean, relaxed is not his middle name, but you know, he. I don't know if you noticed the, uh, but his demeanor in Singapore was completely different to other races. It was like he had relaxed a bit. So now, can that flow through the organization and make things better? I don't know. I hope so. Um, you know, I, I'd like to see Ferrari being a strong challenge. I mean, I, people will say, what do you mean? That's, you know, you're always anti-Ferrari. I'm not anti-Ferrari. I love the idea of Ferrari. No, no, I love the concept of Ferrari. I just don't like the way they've been doing it. Um, and if they can come back and be a Ferrari as was, um, why not? And it's good for the sport. Everyone loves Ferrari. They do. Yeah. They have a massive following, don't they, in F1 still? They do, but sometimes they don't deserve it, is what I'm saying. And right now, you know, they're, they're moving into a situation where maybe, you know, maybe they do things differently. When when Stefano Domenicali was running the team, they didn't win as much, but it was a much happier team. It was a much nicer team. Yeah. Um, but they weren't winning, you know. So uh, when Jean Tobb was, was, was running it, it was a less, it was a very happy team within the walls of it. They weren't very friendly necessarily, but, you know, they're not there to be friendly. They're there to win races, aren't they? You're listening to Inside F1 with Joe Sayward on Missed Apex podcast. We've just been talking about how great Lewis Hamilton is doing at the moment, but let's turn our attention to Ferrari uh, because Ferrari have decided to go against their policy of having a superstar driver and a willing number two. I would say that, that that's a fair point, isn't it? That That is a distinct driver selection tactic they've had of late. Leclerc is nobody's number two. I don't think anyone's seeing him as that. This is a significant key change. Does this demonstrate a lack of faith in Sebastian Vettel? Mm, that's a very interesting point. Yeah. Um, what it does is it puts a guy in who's going to make Sebastian Vettel work hard. Now, if he if he's not very good under pressure brackets, which we know he's not, um, it could be Sebastian Vettel's undoing. As we saw when Daniel Ricciardo came in mm-hmm. at Red Bull, he was he was beaten by Daniel quite conclusively that particular season and went off to Ferrari afterwards. So, you know, Sebastian's been a very lucky boy in lots of respects. He, you know, he was in the right place at the right time. He held off Weber. Uh, uh, he got preferential treatment for sure. Went to Ferrari, has had preferential treatment most of the time. Um, but when he gets under pressure and he flips out um, and makes mistakes – then you look at it and you say, well, is he worth is he worth as much as a guy who will just pick it up and run with it? And in that respect, I'd put Fernando Alonso ahead of him. Fernando Alonso, Fernando Alonso is you know, self-destructive. He destroys things around him. Um, and he's done a very good job at McLaren at the moment. So, But Fernando Alonso might destroy it in the back room. But on the track, I mean, how often do you see Fernando Alonso just crashing into a wall or just taking someone out. Very rare. And it's the same with Lewis Hamilton. Maybe is that the dividing <coughs> thing between the great world champions and perhaps the not so great? Is that consistency? Like is Sebastian Vettel having to drive outside of himself to push in this battle? Well, he's, he's just making mistakes. Monza was a classy example of Lewis Hamilton putting him under pressure and Sebastian Vettel cracking under that pressure and having an incident. It wasn't anyone's fault apart from himself. It, he wasn't helped by Kimi Raikkonen, but then again, 
you know, he was freaking out because Kimmy was ahead of him and not helping him. So there was a guy who was under pressure and failing under pressure. So you know, we have to see. Kimmy's Kimmy has signed his new contracts now. We'll probably go to sleep again as he usually does. Um, but you know, when when he needed to get a new contract, he was awake enough to to sort of you know deliver the goods. I wonder though if Kimi Räikkönen, now that he doesn't need the approval of Ferrari because he knows his future is at Sauber, does that mean he's going to be less helpful to Sebastian Vettel in these next six races? I can't imagine why he'd be helpful. He's been helpful enough over the last few years, but having said that, he may not be quick enough. Mm. I mean, we you know in Singapore we didn't see him figuring at all, really, did we? Nope. Contract, contract was signed and done and off we go Kimmy's off to sleep again you know we'll see he wouldn't like that you know he won't like people saying that but the fact is that his career does seem to indicate that at certain contract periods he speeds up and that leads us into the more kind of businessy side of things <coughs> tell us joe mm-hmm. tell us paddock talisman joe saywood what do you know about what's going on with Kimmy at sauber has he basically bought sauber he's now king of sauber no, he's not king of Sauber. He hasn't bought Sauber. Um, he doesn't. Why does he want to buy a racing team? For God's sake, it's a it's a pain in the neck you got to pay for. You know, um, he's only bought Sauber if he's really stupid, which I don't think he is. So um, there is an argument that buying a racing team is a clever idea at the moment, but you've got to take the rough with the smooth. In other words, if there's no budget, you've got to pay for it. So. Um, I just don't see that happening. I think I, I don't think Kimmy cares enough. He just likes racing cars and and going home at the end of it, drinking a few beers, having a good laugh, and and, and then you know, making fun of the press, which is fine, you know, whatever. But if you're going to have that attitude, you've got to take the bleep as well. Oh, the criticism as well. I'll do the bleep for you. Bleep. Okay. Right. I, I will edit that bleep back in. That's good. But I do have to take a note of the time. So that helps me pause. Uh, Right. Let's go to the chat room because it's a very uh, poignant question here from Christopher Fonseca. Is it true that Kimi's seat is not the designated Ferrari seat at Sauber? Now, is there a designated Ferrari seat at Sauber? And will Kimi be occupying it? Well, I have no idea if there's a designated Ferrari seat at Sauber, but... You know, you have a sponsorship from Alfa Romeo, which was a sister company of Ferrari at one point. So I would say there's a certain amount of leverage. And the the really interesting thing will be as to who gets the second Sauber seat. Will it be Ericsson? If it's Ericsson, it means that the Swedish person in charge of the racing team still hasn't the power to do it. Or if it's Giovinazzi, it will be... Um, you know, this is this is the pressure from Alfa Romeo. It's really a matter of how much money the Swede wants to spend, I would suggest. So if he wants to spend more money, um, he'll take Ericsson. If he wants to spend less money, he'll take Giovinazzi. If you were Kimi Räikkönen... And one, one, one thing I've learned about rich people is they don't like spending money. That's why they're rich. <laughs> they, have, they have short arms and long pockets. So you expect to see Giovinazzi in that seat? I do. And have we got any evidence to suggest that a talent, no doubt, but he looked a little shaky when he first popped into F1. Have we got any evidence that that will have settled down? No, none at all. It might just be a, a collection of bits of carbon fibre, you know, thus far. I, I can't say I'm overly impressed by him, to be honest. I've not seen enough uh, that really sort of excites me about him. He just seems like an excitable Italian quite quick, but smashes up a lot. So it's- we'll see. 
It's well, been see, a while. I'm not quite sure why they have this sort of passion for him, but there you are. It's been a while since there's been a proper, decent Italian driver, isn't there? Isn't it? When's the last 50, good one? 50 years, probably, 50. yeah. Yeah. Ah, which no, is... That's not true. The last good one was uh, was uh, Tony Elietzi, and he got completely wasted by Red Bull. So, um, And I think since then, they've all given up, really, to be honest. So, so Are there any Italians around these days? I can't remember even. No, there aren't. And Fisichella and Trulli were half asleep most of the time. Um, well, they were talented guys, but, you know, uh, there had to be a good day for them to shine, and they seemed to go up and down like yo-yos. The last good, well, the last good one was probably, oh, I don't know, the last consistently good one in the good car would be Patrese, I suppose. Wow. That's, that's, going, back to, that's going back to me in short pounds, well, that is. N- name another one. De Resta, well, he was good. A, De Resta a, was a good of, Italian, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah good <laughs> Scottish Italian, eh? Um, no, I thought. Well, you know, these Italians, a lot of Italians spent their lives leaving and going to other countries, which is why you've got uh, Brazilians and Argentines and Scottish and uh, Canadians, all with um, Italian names. Americans, even. What's that one? The absolute lunatic in Formula Two. Anyway, whatever. Ferrucci. He's left Formula 2 now, or Formula 2 has left him, one of the two. He's gone to Indy, Joe. He's gone to yes, Indy. Yes, I know he's gone to Indy, but, you know, the fact is that he had a fairly serious meltdown that ruined his Formula 2 career. So if he goes to Indy, he should do well. With that other Italian, Rossi, he's another one, isn't he? Do you follow Indy at all, Joe? All the time. Is that a lie? No, it's absolutely true. Ah. Should I tell you all about it? What would you like well, to know? Well, I, I would like to know this because we have uh, a couple of Americans on our panel who are very defensive, Ooh, uh. I know, about the standard of Indy. Now, a lot of people will make the throwaway comment that the driver's standard is generally higher in Formula One so that you are likely to do better that, if that, you that go to Indy. That is a India. perfectly reasonable comment. Oh, okay. And, 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 you, and, you, and you can see it very clearly by... The people who leave Formula One and are successful in Indy, they didn't make it in Formula One. They make it in Indy. What does that tell you? Fernando Alonso made it in Formula One, goes over and makes them all look a bit silly because he was so good. And he should have won the 500. But, you know, Takuma Sato couldn't win anything in Formula One and wins the 500. Rossi didn't make I mean, there's no question about it. The level is different. Now, whether you like that or not, and I fully understand why people get excited when people say that, but that's the truth of it. And... You know, if you're Stoffel Van Dorn, you might say to yourself, well, if somebody's offering me a drive over there, I might go and get it. The only problem is there's no money over there. There's there's very few people watching it, although the racing is very good. And the other thing is it's dangerous. It is whether you like it or not. Those ovals are more dangerous than driving Formula One cars. I've just had a little look in the chat room here with the <clears throat> Italian drivers. Truly, Alboreto. Half, half asleep. <laughs> Alboreto, Alboreto was good. But he was—he had a nasty side to him too. He was a very nice bloke. I liked him a lot. But I saw him do things sometimes. You think, whoa, he's a ruthless. Thanks, Joe. Uh, no, no, Valari. That's rather a long time ago. <laughs> Ascari, uh, Caligula, that, that... Caligula. No, that's a—that's like a movie, isn't it? No, that's Ca- a historical Caligula concept. was an emperor who did all <laughs> kinds of dubious things with horses. Yes. Uh, let's see there, Luca, Luca Badoa, and oh, don't be silly, and Ricciardo. <laughs> Why he's, not? he's 
Daniel Ricciardo may come from Perth, I believe. He might have he might have some Italian blood in him somewhere. But I met his parents the other day; absolutely lovely people, and not one hint of spaghetti about them. So there you are. So just to round off the IndyCar chat, when yeah. when I've said the drivers from F1 have done well, um, I get Max Chilton thrown in my face. Well, Max Chilton was any good in Formula One. So why would it be any good in IndyCars? You know, Max Chilton is a rich kid, having fun, having a good time, pretty boy, all the rest of it, but don't expect him to win the world championship because he ain't good enough. It's simple. He looks like an action man doll. He does, and he sounds like an action man doll too. And he's a very thoroughly, he's a thoroughly nice fellow, but that's not the point. The point is that he's not, you know, if you're going to be a racing driver, you've got to be quick. And Max Chilton ain't. Simple as that. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear, and t shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombus. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Let's move to the next subject by playing a piece of music. What? Look, it's a... It's a sting. I was going to say, if it's beat the intro, I've lost already, so... It's called a bumper, and it's very it's very radio, Joe. Everybody's doing it. Uh, but oh, it's, it's yeah. an easy is it, way. Is that, what, is that what they do on BBC Cambridge? That's what I'm being taught. Uh, but there's a... It's a very easy <laughs> way to segue to a bit more of the business side of Formula One. Because a lot of people are a bit upset that Liberty Media are teaming up with a gambling site. And that that definitely kind of invokes a lot of emotional reaction. Why? Because people don't like gambling. They call it the poor tax. Oh, do they? Well, why, why on earth have they been watching horse racing all these years or dogs? Everyone who puts money on a horse, a dog or a car is absolutely stark raving bonkers. If you want to do it, that's another story. But never, ever, ever bet on a car. Because what happens when it breaks down? You'll say, it's not fair, the car broke down. Well, that's life. You know, you put money on a machine, it breaks. So, I mean, if that's what they want to do, but you have a choice, you know. There is this thing called free will. Yes. And and free will allows you to gamble or not to gamble. I learned not to gamble because my great-grandfather spent the family fortune gambling. So, it's a good idea not to do it. And so some people just have to learn the hard way, I suppose. And yes, it's true. You might win the national lottery if you play it. But then again, the chances are you won't. 
I like a flutter in that it enhances my fandom of a race, for example. If you're cheering on a horse at the Grand National, that I, I don't I don't disagree with that. I think that's absolutely right. If you have some if you have a vested interest in someone doing well, you will cheer louder. There's no question about it. And that's good. But you know, if they're going to be people who put their houses on on you know, trying to see uh, Robert Kubica win a motor race, um, that's up to them. That's the choice you make. I walked into it. I went gambling this summer on my summer holidays. I walked into this casino in the middle of nowhere in France, and I won 100 euros in three three button pushes. Didn't know, pure luck. And went home, cashed in, because one thing I do recognize is when you're winning, just make sure you take the money and, and never spend more than you've taken. So I basically spent my stakes and went home with money. Yeah. Now, the chat room is pointing out that there is a serious thing called gambling addiction, but there are addictions in, in many areas of life. Yes, there are. And, and you know, that doesn't mean you can't enhance any kind of sport. If you look at the Chinese, and, you know, we're looking at this perhaps from the wrong angle. We're looking at this from an awfully British point of view, oh boy. Or, you know, although Britain's in, in the process of obviously trying to leave itself. But, um, you know, if you look at the Chinese... The Chinese are the world's biggest gamblers. They're also one of the biggest audiences Formula One has. And, you know, they're happy to bet on things. Dumb though that may be, in my opinion. But if Liberty Media want to make some more money and they and they can find somebody who wants to pay the money to go gambling, take it, is my view. Take it because if people are wanting to do it, let them do it. Um, I think one of the best gambling campaigns I've seen is when the fun stop stops. Uh, also, you should be aware that you can go to um, uh, about.gambleaware.org for advice if you think you might have a gambling problem. But I think you hit the nail on the head there, Joe. It's it's about using it as an entertainment source. So myself, when I gamble, I will have a, a pot. Okay, so, so £10, that's what I'm going to bet. If I go to a casino and I only bet that money once. So if it, if it wins, it goes into the winning pocket. If it loses, it goes into the losing pocket. What you don't do is is keep betting any winnings you have. That's the guaranteed way to lose. So education on gambling, in the same way that education on healthy alcohol habits... Hang on, hang on, hang on. This is all, all health and yeah, safety. I know, here. I know. Sorry, can't be bothered with this rubbish. It's very <laughs> simple. <laughs> which is which is um, just just be responsible for your own actions. You choose what you do. You 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 put your money on things, you lose your money. Maybe you win your money. Just it, it's just it, it's trying to find reasons and deep social bloody blah. It's all it's all a bunch of tosh for me. Do you know why I like it with F one, especially what we do here, which is sort of amateur punditry? It kind of gives me a kind of validation to my predictive powers. So can I call an F one season over over the course of twenty races? And generally. I do okay, uh, as in I, I put my stock in at the beginning of the season and I generally don't have to reinvest. So that makes me feel like, okay, maybe I am maybe I half know what I'm talking about. Uh, but what are the specifics of the deal that Liberty have done? And are we going to have, like, oh, in race, right, live now, two to one for Lewis Hamilton to win this race? I have no idea what they're planning to do. I think it would be foolish to do that. You know, I, I, I don't want it to be like, you know, you can have the favourite going into a race like you do in horses, but, you know... You don't need it. It's just it's a side issue, really, for me. It's just another commercial thing that's built around the sport, but it shouldn't be dictating how the sport is. And when you have, you know, you have these situations with gambling where 
Um, you, you can get situations of people throwing races or throwing events. You know, we've seen that in, uh, in a number of sports. And we don't want to see that. So that, that's a downside. But that's, you know, the pervasive power of money, you know. Christopher Fonseca in the chat room says, is there any odds on the number of people Joe and Spanners will offend during this live stream? It's not going to be as many as last last week. I so don't know. I can start now. Let's talk about Robert. No, never no, mind. no we- Cubitza chat this week. We're, bar- we're barring it this week. It was. It still hurts. The YouTube comments still hurt. Um, Darren Rusk says, perhaps then we should ask Spanners about Perez. Look, I spent a lot of the week before Singapore defending Perez because I'm a, I'm a fan of, of Perez and I, I cheer him on and all this I'm attention. A of, I'm a fan of Perez too, but what he did in Singapore was just silly. And, and he just lost it throughout the whole race. He kept doing stupid things, so, I mean, starting out by driving a teammate into the wall, which wasn't a work of genius, and then just going from, from there onwards. So just occasionally he has meltdowns. I'm a fan of his and he's quick, but, you know, you sometimes, every so often, he just goes Roman Grosjean on you, doesn't he? Oh, poor Grosjean. He, he makes one mistake at Spa about a million years ago, and you can't let it go. Well, apart from all that rubbish in Singapore, yeah. Where he held up the lead and nearly took oh, yeah. five seconds off Lewis Hamilton and nearly allowed Max Verstappen to take the lead. Roman Grosjean was behaving like René Arnoux in the old days or Jean-Pierre Jarrier or every other disgruntled Frenchman who thought he should have done better in his career who drove around at the back getting in people's way because that's what they did. So in fact, you- Grosjean is a Swiss. So before I get into trouble with that, nonetheless, he drives under a French license. But both his parents are Swiss and he was born in Switzerland. That makes him French. How does that work? I choose to let people identify however they want to identify Joe. That's mm. Wake me up. Wake me up at the end. <laughs> oh, so you think, but Grosjean wasn't being malicious there, was he? He was just yes, absorbed. Was. You think? No, he, yeah, of course he was. You can't be that absorbed. It's just stupid. It's 11 blue flags. 11 blue flags. That's why he got a penalty. And the other guy should have got a penalty too, because he was misbehaving too. But the fact is that they knew exactly what they were doing. And they were just being bloody minded. And it's not good. And that sort of thing should be punished severely. And I think five second penalty is not enough. I would have had him thrown out for a race. They wouldn't do it if he threw him out for a race. But people do ignore blue flags routinely. No, they don't. Not to that extent. That was outrageous. Outrageous. And, you know, that's why I say that we used to have a lot worse problems with balking than nowadays. But, you know, this was a particularly outrageous example, and it, it really did nearly cost a lot. Mm. You, know, you can affect world championships by being uh, pretending you're having a fight with somebody and avoiding blue flags, but you know. You've got your team in your ear telling you what's going on. You've got blue flags being waved. You've got blue things flashing in the darkness. You know, come on. It's not rocket science. But there is no caveat that says if you're in your own fight, you can get an extra blue flag, is there? They still have to get out of the way within three. The answer is get the hell out of the way when the leaders are coming through. Simple. And to mess up Lewis to that extent is just wrong. So it's indefensible. Indefensible. So you're not a fan of the idea that tough, just get around these guys? No, I'm not because you can't. If That's Lewis not Hamilton good, can't, though. If Lewis Hamilton can't overtake Roman Grosjean around the streets of Singapore, if Roman Grosjean won't let him, Roman Grosjean needs to get out of the way. Or we could stop going to street circuits. Well, yeah, but that's, you know... That's not a good idea either. Street circuits can be good. Depends on the street circuit, doesn't it? Miami? Would that be good? Well, we, we're not there yet. Well, we don't know because <laughs> we don't know what the layout is going to be if there is one. I think it's dying myself, but 
I think there's a, I think there's a fundamental opposition. Copenhagen is dead. Yeah, um, I heard this. I heard some Danish people really, really disappointed. What's killed Copenhagen? Politics. Politics. It's just small-minded people um, blowing a good opportunity, really. Copenhagen. And they're all called Jensen. Everyone in Copenhagen is called Jensen, apparently. So there you go, with an E, not an S. Uh, well, no. So it's not, you can't blame Jensen Button for it. Huh? Well, anyway. he's probably Danish deep down. Anyway, before we got onto all this tracks and Grosjean nonsense, we were talking about Ocon's really optimistic move on the outside of Perez. And wasn't it deemed a racing incident? Gen- genius move. You think? You think that was a genius move? Yes, I do, because Perez should have given him the space. He had plenty of room, but Perez made it up that there was someone on the inside. There was nobody well, on the uh, inside. Well, th- there was, but he'd fallen back by the time no, they made contact. There was contact. nobody on the inside. Perez knew it. And Perez just took him off because... Is his teammate about to beat him? So that's my opinion. This leaves us in a very interesting situation. The, aside from the fact that Perez had a shocker, I don't think one terrible, awful race makes Perez a bad racing driver. No, it doesn't. It, well, it just makes him. It shows some flaws that he still has in his character. He's only twenty-eight. Which we, yeah, twenty-eight in Formula One is ancient history. These days, they're all twelve. Remember. So is it? confirmed in your mind that Perez is staying at Racing Point Force India? Yes. For sure? Yes, 100%. But it hasn't been officially confirmed? Believe me, it has been confirmed legally. Ooh. I know, if he chooses, if somebody chooses to pay him a horse-choking wedge of money, where's he going to go? There's nowhere else to go. He signed a deal cleverly. In fact, it was a sort of a loaded loaded deal, really, because he... Signed a new contract and then took the team down. So he knew exactly what he was doing. And um, uh, he saved the team, you can argue, which is fair enough. Good argument. He certainly got the money he was owed. um, But he also got a new contract and that screwed Ocon. I think it's a smart move by Perez, though, because uh, Force India, even though they've lost all their points from going into administration, they've already got 32 points compared to Renault on 90 points, they are actually looking like a strong outfit. They are a strong outfit. If you add the two lots of points together, where do you get them? Uh, can you do that maths for me? Because I don't want to. No, because I actually don't have the numbers. Chatroom will uh, help us. Chatroom, what is the combined points of Racing Point and Force India this season? Uh, but yeah, he's putting himself in a, in a strong position. And and that is to the detriment of Esteban Ocon. And oh my God, Toto Wolf looks absolutely distraught. It's like camera crews are following him round, waiting for him to talk to, I don't know, like, uh, uh, you know, the Renault boss they're, they're waiting for him to talk to the mclaren boss and they're just watching him getting more and more enraged it's clear he has a passion for esteban ocon and he just can't put him anywhere well esteban ocon's a special racing driver he's one of the very few who i would would, would list as being above above the rest and here he is with no drive for next year it's wrong it's fundamentally wrong and it's fundamentally wrong because somebody's paying to take his drive off him which isn't right you know, it's just the way of the world, but there's nowhere to put him. And he was just incredibly unlucky. So is this is that definitely happening? Lance Stroll is definitely taking Ocon's seat? Uh, next year, yeah. Next year. And what is stopping Well, that? if he tries to take it this year, he won't have an engine in the back of his car. It's very simple, will he? Oh, right. Oh. There's, a certain, there's an element of power involved in, well, if you want to drive that car for the rest of the year, you will, you know, you will stay where you are. If you see what I mean. I'm trying to get my head around it. But basically, that's the Mercedes. 
basically it's a Mercedes engine. And if, if, if Lance Stroll wants to move teams to another thing, he's going to lose. He's going to blow the relationship with Mercedes. Therefore, it's not going to happen. Therefore, he's going to stay there. But Esteban's out next year. There's nothing for him to do. So Stroll Nowhere is Nowhere for him to go. So Stroll unless, is going to partner Perez. Yeah, which will be which will be great for Perez, lousy for Stroll. I was going to say that's got to be a drubbing. What benefit is there for the Stroll family? Why are they Why are they doing that? Why are they putting him in that position? Uh, if I understood this, I'd be a billionaire. <laughs> so we know we know from rumor. So we hear rumors from rumor that the Strolls are uh, they they will favour Lance if they get a chance to. Surely they're not going to ask Perez to support Lance Stroll. Well, you wouldn't get much of a response on that one, I fear. No, no. I mean, I, look, you can you can only do so much. Lance Stroll's got to deliver the goods. If he doesn't deliver the goods, uh, he's he's going to get beaten. And and Lawrence, his father, needs to recognise this. If Lawrence is mad enough to try and order another driver about, he's going to have to hire a Sean Galile, um to just do what he's told and pay the money. You know, um, but let's get real here. In Formula One, it's not like that. In Formula One, um, if your team boss is messing about like that, you walk and go somewhere else. It can be team stroll if that's what they want to do with it, but you won't get very good drivers in it. So deep down, they must have this belief that Lance is going to come good or has a chance to come good. Yeah, sure. There's lots of people with delusions in Formula One. Interesting. Let's go to the chat room because they've got some great questions in this driver shuffle. Kevin66661263 says, Toto should give Bottas the boot and put Ocon in there. Christopher Fonseca says, why not put Ocon in a Williams? And Mike Kenyon, with our earlier question, says, Force India and Racing Point would have 91 combined points and would be tied for fourth place with Renault, I think is what he's saying there. So let's go to Kevin's yeah. point. Uh, there's, they're trying to find a place for Ocon. Bottas is tied in for next season. Do we think that Bottas is then severely under the axe for 2020? Yes, we do. Having said that, who manages Valtteri Bottas? Toto Wolf. No. Oh. An organisation called Aces Management in which Toto Wolf is a shareholder. So... He doesn't quite manage him, but he has an interest um, in making money off him if that's what he wants to do. However, he has a bigger interest in making his racing team win races. So I think they made the decision on on Valtteri early, uh, probably a good thing to do. But now they find themselves embarrassed because Ocon, who is fundamentally one day going to take that drive or Lewis's drive, um, has got nowhere to go. It's sad. And as for Williams, well, Williams are on a on a, a mission to, to destruct, as far as I can see at the moment. Um, and, you know, if you're smart, you'll talk to Toto Wolf and get the Mercedes rear end and put two young drivers in it. You've got George Russell and Esteban Ocon will give you a nice team. If you're on a mission to destruction, you build your own rear end, having failed massively last year, uh, and you put two Russians in it. So there you go. So Who's the smart one? There's two forks there. So the engineering one and the driver one. So firstly, let's go with the driver one because that's what we've been talking about. You think George Russell will skip the queue in the Mercedes Young Driver program over Ocon? No, of course not. But if that's the only option, um, if if putting o- putting Ocon in as as the reserve driver at Mercedes for six months to a year, whatever is deemed to be necessary it's better to get george into a williams if they can do that but 
the Williams seem to be bound to have two Russians, Markolov and Sorokin. Now, apparently the Markolov and Sorokin teams in Russia don't get on with each other, so that might be a problem. But um, they all have tons of money. You know, one of them runs the railways and the other one owns all the horse manure or, or something. So then let's talk about that engineering side of Williams, because at the beginning of the season, I was in dismay that they had Lance Stroll and then a, another pay driver in Sergei Sorokin. Claire Williams was coming out saying it's unfair to call uh, either of these guys pay drivers. They were very much billing it as uh, it, oh, it's a happy coincidence that they've got talent and money. But you and I had this conversation and you were saying to me, well, the, the gamble or the conceit is that they're going to use that money to then drive forward with their engineering side. And they came out with a radical new design, which they felt was a, a revolution, not an evolution this season. But that experiment... And it was a total and yeah. utter disaster. Now, worse than that, now, designing a disaster is one thing, but not fixing it in the course of six months is even worse. So this thing must be unfixable or they're incompetent. It's one of the two. Um and you'd think if it's an aerodynamic problem, after six months, they would have found a solution. Therefore, it's not an aerodynamic problem. Therefore, it's worse than that. Or it's an aerodynamic problem linked to the chassis. Whatever it is, they haven't found a solution. They're supposed to be clever people and they haven't found a solution. They spend a pile of money trying to find a solution. Now, to go into next year with the same basic idea um, and using the same technical director is a bit of a risk, I would have said. And if it if it... If it crashes a second time, then you have to draw into you, you have to say is the leadership making the right decisions? Because two screw ups, making the same mistake twice, is the sign of time to change the management. So technical director, we're talking Paddy Lowe. No, I'm talking about Paddy Lowe because Paddy Lowe is 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 in the firing line already, being allowed to have a second go at it. Um, first of all, not fixing this year's disaster, but then having a second go at it. If he fails again, he should. I mean, he's straight out the door. As far as I'm concerned, he would be straight out the door. But then you have to say, well, how did it happen that we had two screw ups in a row? And then you have to, if you're if you're the leader of the team, you have to go, ah, my fault. Now nobody ever says my fault. So, you know, it, but but the rest of us will say my fault because that's the way of the world. We'll get it because that's what Formula One is. Formula One is dog eat dog world, and it's 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 harsh and it's tough and it's nasty and it's mean. Um, and Claire Williams is will be on the will be on the um the firing line. If there's anything the modern world has taught us, it's that leaders are basically unsackable. Things that would have drowned you years ago, uh, now people just seem to be able to just stubbornly just go nope, stay and put. <laughs> I don't think leaders have to go anywhere. Ah, however, well, no, but the team will go out of business. No, well, I, I I'm led to understand that money isn't the issue at Williams, so like they're not on the verge of bankruptcy. Well, without the stroll money and without the two Russian money, there would be. There's zero sponsorship worth having. I mean, there's bits and bobs, but no, no, they're in they're, They are financially unstable. Now they're not necessarily, they you know, because the strolls leaving and they have to pay a settlement fee, which has happened in the past quite often at Williams. Williams was funded by, uh, the mad Venezuelan Maldonado, <laughs> for a while it was funded by jensen button at one point for a while uh, because they were buying their way out of contracts now it's fine if that's what you want to do but if you're going to get money use it to a good purpose and hire a good driver uh paul young in the chat room says smedley and low need to be held to account as should short obsessed 
Claire Williams. Uh, I'm, I'm sure that's not all she's thinking about, but I think a lot of people have gotten upset that Claire Williams seems to be focusing on things that they feel don't matter whilst they're having to watch their favourite team, because Williams is still the favourite team yep. of a lot of people, <clears throat> go right including to the bottom. Me, including yeah. me. And it's not just a little bit of a fail, is it? It's like worst team in Formula One fail. Well, how can you have a Mercedes engine and be 10th? I mean, hello? somebody got to read his engine and be 10th. It's rubbish. It's terrible. Tell you what, then. Let's move on to a slightly more overachieving team, which is Toro Rosso. And I think that's the kind of last intrigue we have for driver positions. Do you have much of an insight with what's going on there? Because they are scrambling around for drivers. Uh, Daniel Kvyat, going back to Red Bull. I mean, I just, I, I want to tell him no. I want to say, don't do it, man. But obviously he's wandering back into that relationship again. He got a real kicking last time. Yeah, he did. And it, was, it wasn't it was nice. And he didn't deserve it because he's a better driver than that. But Helmut Marco is a strange and twisted individual. So, you know, <clears throat> he does what he wants to do. The trouble with Helmut Marco is he's fired everybody and finds himself embarrassed now. So what do you do? Brandon Hartley, nice fellow, but hasn't done enough uh, to keep it. But who are you going to put in place? So obviously the chat is of them trying to get in Dan Tictum from well, Dan Formula 3. Well, Dan Tictum's got to beat Mick Schumacher. And this last weekend basically ruined any chances he's got of doing that because Michael Mick Schumacher walked all over him. Um, and he's now got such a points advantage that he will be an idiot if he lo- loses the championship. And if he loses the championship, uh, Dan Tictum doesn't get a super license. <clears throat> but even if he even if he wins this championship... Doesn't he still fall short of what is? Yes, he does. He still falls short. But you can argue that Macau, there's an argument there. But if you're not going to win the championship, forget it. It's not going to happen. Anyway, Mick Schumacher's clearly got him on the run because I read some comments today about him saying, My name's not Schumacher, therefore I can't win. Mick Schumacher's <laughs> blown his socks off. Completely blown his socks off him. He's won nine, nine of the last 13 races or something. He's just zoomed in and, and Tictum's left behind. So. You know, if Dicton wants to do something, get on and do it. But um... but weren't the super license points laid out like this to stop people coming in prematurely? And Dan Tickton yes, has was. been has been ruled uh, for a season and is suspended for a second season to be unfit for motor racing. Therefore, he wasn't allowed to score points. And that's hurt him now. But that's part of the punishment still, isn't it? Well, if you do what he did, yeah. I mean, basically, it was a sort of psychotic, lunatic kind of thing to do. Which is not a good message you're sending out. You know, you, you park your behind a safety car and ram your rival. It's not a good message. Okay, so Dan Tictor made a massive, massive mistake and he's paying for it. And now he has to learn the hard way and go work. If you're going to come to Formula One, he's got to deliver the goods and he's got to deliver it without sort of taking a chainsaw to people along the way. Joe, thank you so much for joining us here on Missed Apex Podcast. I absolutely love these Inside F1s. Where can people catch up with your blog? And I do suggest people catch up with your blog. Uh, the Green Notebook is essential, essential, essential F1 reading. I hope there's more than does that. But I haven't done much recently because I've been moving house. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's Joe Bloggs F1. Um, and there's Grand Prix Plus magazine, and there's my insider newsletter to JSBM. And if you want to know all about that, you go to flatoutpublishing.com to read all about it. I'm sure there's a load of other stuff, but I can't remember what it all is now. So there you go. So if I'm four out of ten in knowing stuff in Formula One media, where's that newsletter going to get me? Eleven? 
it'll get you to well you've got to have the you've got to have the uh, the, the, the brain powder to analyze what's being said within Damn. it you know so yeah it'll take you up to what's the, the cutting edge yeah and it's not just formula one also it's everywhere i do i write about indy cars and nascar and i can talk to you vaguely sensibly about what's happening in the nascar world too fantastic thank you very much joe saywood please enjoy your trip to russia you can catch missed apex for our russian grand prix race review at 8 p.m on sunday also look out for the audio version of tech time with matt trumpets and matthew summerfield until next time remember that wounds heal chicks dig scars and glory lasts forever this was inside f1 with joe For the audio listeners, Joe is now dancing along to that theme tune. Joe, you are into it. You didn't like the bumpers to start with. Now, now I sense you need them. You love them. No, I was just getting a bit of a you know, sort of play out at the end. You know, ah. I could have done. I could have done that, but you know, I was being polite. It's like the equivalent of the, the newsreaders shuffling, shuffling their bits of paper at the end, isn't it? I can do that too. <laughs> imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great, too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. 